and welcome. It's another episode of the Joshi 2010s here on the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon. I'm JD. You are K. I'm K. And if you're listening two weeks later on the Big Egg Joshi podcast, we welcome you all. You can get these episodes two weeks early over on the Patreon for a measly $1.50 tier. It helps us do all the tape trading, get to the DVDs. That helps us do a lot of the research and gets us to cover many more shows covering the Joshi 2010s on this journey of, well, the Joshi wrestling coming out of the Dark Ages. Kay, welcome to another amazing episode. Yeah, yeah, listen, for a buck fifty, you get all of this content and much more. Mm. Yeah, we do a lot on the Patreon. Sure do. You do a lot more than I do. I should try to get my game up on that one. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta do some of this stuff with me, man. You do you do these Joshi twenty tens, we do the wrestling rankings, which is really funny. <laughs> or, yeah, those those are always a trip. Those are a blast to do. I, I quite enjoy those now. They're yeah. terrible takes, terrible opinions. Well, I mean, depending you. Well, depending on when. Uh, look, man. <laughs> depending on when they come out and when these shows come out, they sometimes function as like uh, live reaction shows. Sometimes at the beginning, but anyways, we are in 2011. This is Ice Wave, Osaka Rhapsody March Ribbon. It's a uh, double shot. Here in March of 2011, where uh, we're actually based on the DVD we got from uh, Wave, it was like this heavy compilation DVD uh, consisting of three shows from January, February, and March. So kind of the three big ones of the year so far. So we even got to check out uh, some of the stories uh, continuing to that third show, uh, mostly focused around Yumi Oka versus Gami, the mighty Gami. Yeah. The almighty game y'all have, you know, and it, so on this time, Wave was doing a lot of compilation. I think that was I want to say it was the theme of the of the time frame around here, because I know Stardom was doing compilation DVDs as well, though they did a lot less of this. I think they only ever did like three or four of them. But Wave, um, I think up until their restart recently, they were doing compilation DVDs. I, I don't know why. I think they feel like they can maybe just put more they can put more shows on one DVD and then charge more for it? That's most my thought for it. It was interesting seeing them. Yeah. So we got that, and then we go into Ice Ribbon, March Ribbon, as uh, I'm calling it. It, It's kind of um, replaced these days with... uh, Well, they still have March Ribbon, but there's uh, there's another name for the show. It's not Knights of Ribbon. That's in September every year. What is is the March one called? Is this March Ribbon? I think it is just March Ribbon. Yeah. I think they still call it March Ribbon. Yeah, yeah. I think they still call it March Ribbon. I, they don't change their names. To, uh, if you, excuse me, if you notice that, they, they keep the same names. Like Jumbo Ribbon is still the th- same thing. The the Yokohama Budokan is still called Yokohama Ribbon. Stuff like that. It's, 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 they keep the same naming conventions, which is great. Uh, Ribbon Knights, I think, is the only newest one that I can think of. Yeah, there's Ice in Wonderland. Uh, it's in January. Yeah, uh, Yokohama is still the same. Um, yeah, they've added, summer, they've added a summer, few. Summer Jumbo. There's Summer Jumbo Ribbon. Yeah, they've added a few wacky names somewhere in there. I know there there was, let's see, Winter Story is in January. That's their new. Uh, it's a new one they did this year. I don't think I remember them doing it, but there's also the uh, uh, Spring of Short You Maidens Must Fight, which was definitely a new one. 
<laughs> I like yeah. the name of that. I really like that name. It's great. Apparently, it was from a song, a Japanese song, like an old Japanese song that the uh, the president of the company heard, and that's where he got the idea for the show name. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Maybe I'm thinking of March Ribbon. Is uh, you know what? I'm thinking of Reborn, but that's in February. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, Reborn's in February. Okay, so now that that's uh that's cleared up out of my mind. But March Ribbon, uh, this is their big Corkin show. In March, I believe we covered the one in 2010, which featured Riho versus Emi Sakura, which yes. uh, I really, I was a really big fan of. And looking back on it, I sh- probably should have had that crack in my top five matches of the year since I liked that so much, but maybe not. I <laughs> know. Uh, I think it was fine not making that top ten. I think it was good, mm. but it wasn't. It wasn't like uh, the best of that year. Yeah, and as we've as we exited 2010, entered 2011. Uh, the story was around Sukasa Fujimoto being the champion, uh, top of the card of Ice Ribbon. Emi Sakura uh, in 2011 is slowly phasing herself out, and it's very noticeable the last couple months, February and now March. And Hikaru Shida is getting better as a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I've mentioned this in a prior episode, but just sort of bring it up again because it becomes much more important in this show, March Ribbon. Um, last y- the year prior in 2010, she had done an interview uh, talking about how frustrated she was with her performance. Uh, you know, Suka, you know, same class, same de- debut date, was doing so much better than her. Uh, even Miyako, she had said, had gotten a connection with the crowd, something Shida didn't have. And she was she was del- lamenting her place and wanting to improve. Throughout the year, we saw her improving, and we start to see the culmination of her efforts in this uh, show, where she challenges uh, Shuri after winning a small mini-tournament to decide who would be Shuri's opponent. Indeed. So let's not waste any more time. We have just a... this Okay, watching these two, uh, I guess, journey shows, we'll call them, a lot of good wrestling throughout them. I really enjoyed watching a lot of this. Amy Gamey had a good match. Yeah, she, she, mm, sort for of. Her, for her, it was a good match. <laughs> we, we got, we got to, I guess I got to specify here. For her, it was a good match. She didn't like lollygag and lay about the entire time. Well, that wasn't the goal of the story that they were trying to tell, but uh, you didn't watch the wave show from February uh, outside of the one match. I will fill in a very vital uh, booking th- thing that I got kind of an issue with. Uh, now, this is one thing, this is a topic I thought we could address before we get started with a lot of these matches, because uh, it's really just match cards, okay? Not a whole lot of booking outside of kind of the main event, okay? Right, right. And there was a recent interview by Rossi from Stardom, uh-huh. And I see where you're going with this. His, his the co- the comment that stood out to me that's relevant for this conversation is was basically along the lines of these other promotions don't book, they just make cards. They're not taking wrestling seriously. They're not they're not trying to grow. And uh that that's kind of the the loose takeaway from from his comment about that. Uh, it's basically him just kind of playing a power move and saying, look, we take it seriously, we book, therefore we're growing. Simple as that. <laughs> right, 
right. Uh, I think when he, when he said that, I, can, I mean, you can just picture what companies he's talking about. He's not talking about Ice Ribbon, because Ice Ribbon does very much the same as Stardom, where they have bookstores up and down the card. Not every show is it important, but they do have stories throughout and interconnection things. But when you look at, like, a, I don't know, Marvelous, Diana, Pure J, Modern Wave, like, I think those things start ringing a lot more true. Oz Academy is a weird one because they always have stories. They're not particularly good stories, but they have them. Sendai has, I mean, fuck all happens in Sendai. You can just picture the companies he's talking about, and he's not entirely wrong. Now, it's, I don't think it's them not taking wrestling seriously. I literally think it's these companies are so stuck in a certain formula. Sendai is the, the biggest example of that. Uh, Sendai and Diana, I think, are the basic, basic example of they're so stuck in a formula that they've been doing for so long have never deviated from it that it's almost too late for them to deviate at this point. I mean, you can change any time. I mean, there's nothing stopping you. Uh, but I, I do like I do like your verbiage of formula. And that's what this is. We watch a lot of these cards, and Ice Ribbon included, where they all have that same format. Opening rookie match, slot someone in to beat them, comedy tag match, filler, Maybe a like fifteen minute draw that you'll see of two wrestlers and they just can't beat each other, and then you got your main event. You know, you right. throw well, in some I'll other matches this. here or there, and your main event is just kind of your just who whoever of the week basically. But you have your one person that you always want to highlight, kind of deal. Right. So I'll say this, uh, Rossi. Him saying that makes sense now, but if you like subtract three years. If you were three years ago, uh, he'd be a hypocrite because he was doing the exact same thing. But I don't think I think for in some cases, it's a limitation on what you have available. Right. So he had all this talent. But what are you always going to do with stories? You can't. There's only so many Jungle Kiona stories you can do. There's only so many <laughs> Tam Nakano stories you can do at the time with Tam's abilities at that point. There's only so much you can do. He did have stories, but he can't throw shade when at least in this point 2011 all he's doing is match cards because he doesn't have anything built yet so he has to get people familiarized with the talent it's i can both see where he's coming from but also i don't think i think it's a lot of promoters speak but i think what he's saying is both true and a little bit of um false but a bit hypocritical because he did do this at one point in his own booking. I mean, it's just natural for a company to do that. I mean, just uh, Ice Ribbon's a good example, right? Ice Ribbon does have stories, but they also have dojo shows where there's like nothing happening. They're just matches <laughs> on the card. And that's fine. Not every single show needs to build story because then it gets tiring after a while, right? You want yeah, your stories to breathe. You want them to breathe. If Tam Nakano's coming out cutting a promo in every fucking story, then it, it every every show, then it's I mean, what are you doing? After a while it gets a little tired. It's like, oh, here we go again, Tam Nakano with the mic in her hand. Kinda wanted to let it breathe, and that's kinda how Japanese storytelling is in general. So I kinda think he has a point, but he's being a little hypocritical with it. Well, I think another thing I took away, and it's something I kind of constantly just notice throughout the scene, is, and you see it with a lot of uh, indie shows to an extent in America, uh, but they, the the advantage to America is the much larger pool of talent to pick and choose from and rotate rotating cast. 
uh, you could you can kind of say. While the Joshi right. scene is very small, you have such a finite select amount of wrestlers, respectively, especially between companies, and the people don't <laughs> travel very much. You know, you, how often do you see someone just jump ship, right? Uh, it's only been happening recently. But to your point, though, it's almost like the only people you have available belong to other companies. So then you get politics involved. So I think that they are very much limited. And a lot of that's remedied by, you know, a dojo system. So most of these companies that are on that list of things lack a solid dojo system. Like Sendai produces some good rookies with good basics, but they never go anywhere. Wave hasn't produced a worthwhile rookie in God knows how long. Uh, Diana's best rookies are Haruku, Misake, and Madeline, both people wasted in a company that doesn't do anything with them. It's like, you can go down this list, and it's like, well, of course you're not going to pin Leon from Pure J. She's from Pure J. You can't pin her politics. And I think that limits a lot of the scene. Uh, we see it a lot less here in 2011, when there's a lot more freelancers. I sort think that's of, yeah. I mean, a... there's a, like, everybody's a freelancer. Everyone's kind of on the same yeah, playing right. field in a way. Nowadays, uh, it's a lot more restrictive than it was at this point. So I would say the scene is both better and worse now than it was back then. I think it's better in the fact that it's more financially healthy. Uh, uh, and, and it's more it's way it's way better health wise yeah. like uh, like i don't, I don't know how, i don't know if, seen, i don't know if 2020 and 2021 is the best example with the whole coronavirus period <laughs> that's really I, taking I, a toll but i you, i understand i understand no what you're idea saying how bad it was at this point like these chicks had to work convenience store jobs no i under money. i under i understand the reference i understand right it. it's it's so a lot, some of these wrestlers these days do work day jobs. Not all of them do. A lot of them don't, actually. Surprisingly, a lot of them, especially Iceman's wrestler roster. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Some of them don't need to. Stuff like that, right? Uh, marvelous wrestlers, I don't think, work day jobs, to my knowledge. Stuff like that. So, But in 2011, they had to work a lot of day jobs. Like, some of them, wrestling wasn't even their full-time job. It was something they could only do on the side. However, there was a lot of freelancers, so there was a lot of pool of talent to pull from for shows, and you could have more variety of cards. Nowadays, you don't get that. So this was this was kind of where I was going with this. Uh, okay. You mentioned, okay, so we got formula, we got format, we got politics. So you put all that right. together. When, this is just the question, I don't have the answer, because Unless you're the wrestler in uh, in question, only you know the like only they know the answer. So, w- with all of these freelancers, when do you finally ask them the question to drop the politics because we want to push you or we want to get you on this part of the card? We want you involved in this for this particular thing, rather than just say. I don't know. You're Leon from Pure Joy, Pure Pure Joy, <laughs> Pure J. <Jay. laughs> You're Leon from Pure J. You're the 15 year vet. We don't like Leon. Just goes, uh, don't beat me because of X reason, whether champion or not. Just I'm the I'm the vet. Don't beat me. Uh, so throw me in the tag. When do you ask the question for them to drop the politics? It's like, hey, we want to use you in a story to put one of our young talents over for example just throwing out a random example and i don't right. have the answer I, I, like obviously only leon could answer that like why don't why doesn't she just drop it and get involved in all these companies because i don't know in from my perspective someone like a leon at this point in time in that company has more to offer 
doing a story along those lines rather than just say holding the title and doing a 15 minute main event in pure J. I think the answer to that is actually quite simple. I don't think you need to worry about the asking the wrestler. It's company loyalty. Uh, that's one. Loyalty is really big in Japan. Yep. Yeah, two, it's tradition. Yeah. That's all it is. That's literally all it is. Like you don't betray your home company. Which is why stardom picking up a bunch of talent and people leaving to stardom has been such a big sort of deal over there, right? Because that's not happened to this extent ever. Right? Yeah, you don't see it a lot in the men's promotions either. You just don't right, see people leave their company. You don't see like Katsuhiko Nakajima from Noah just going, okay, my contract's up with Noah. I'm going to go for New Japan for a contract of four years. You don't see that. <laughs> no, you don't, which is why it's... Which is why the company loyalty thing is such a big deal. Which is why you get Leon not doing jobs because she's Leon. She's a veteran. She has to be respected traditions, this, that, and the third. These are, I think, a lot of the problems are baked not in just the scene, but in Japanese culture in general. Yeah, why it's, we see it's some tough. Of the problems. Yeah, it's tough. And uh, what you just said would work in the States. Like that, that right there works probably, that probably is always done in the States. Hey, we want to push you, drop the politics, and we'll fucking make you a star. That's probably done more often than we realize in the States. Oh, it's all the time. Or, or just, just something as simple as, as, uh, I mean, the phrase is leave the territory. Come in, do your job, leave the territory for a little bit, go to your next thing, do that story, and then you can come back in, you know, six months or something. It's not a big deal. We can remake you, we can remake you, repackage you. Uh, uh, the the company loyalty would be something along the line. It, it's it's a way different mentality and cultural aspect for sure. And there, I mean, if you want <laughs> the 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 raw the Rossi and Stardom thing is so fascinating because of how different it is uh, from that perspective. And I mean, we we spoke about before how Ice Ribbon uh, really prides itself on just not breaking those boundaries because they're a small company and they like having their relationships. They're not going to poach people from like actress girls, but they can, you know, they can work around it with various contract deals, which is fine. So then that kind of, when I'm watching like this wave show and I'm seeing an Ayumi Kurihara match, she's a straight freelancer at this point. She has no company affiliation, never really did. And I just it shows, ask it, it? it I shows, ask it, it all the time. I'm like, she has no loyalty. What is going on? Why isn't anyone pushing her to the moon? Why not? And that's where because she doesn't belong to anyone. And, she's not yeah. a part of anyone's company. Therefore, she's not our employee. We don't want to do anything with her. That's exactly what it is. That's what that's one of the problems of being a freelancer in Japan. Is sometimes depending on who you know, you'll get a Hiroya Matsumoto where you'll get a giant push up the card because everyone likes you. So they all agree to do it at the same time, which is usually how it happens. Uh, we're seeing it modern day with you right now. Yeah, I was about to say. Agreeing, you everyone's see- just agreeing to give her a push randomly. Don't, don't, don't know why, but all of a sudden she's going to push an Oz Academy and Sendai and God knows other companies that she's probably in. And it just happens randomly like that. Yeah, but they all they all just kind of talk to each other. It's like, all right, we're all going to push her. We're all going to beat her at once. Maybe she'll win this title or maybe them all. Doesn't matter. And then... She j- it's just a short little run. Yoniyama had it earlier in the year for like a six week span. I know, but I'm just using her as an example of another kind of freelancer where she just got this random push out of nowhere in like four companies. (laughs) Yeah, it was a bit odd, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyways. So I want to, I want to, so you mentioned Rossi and sort of his mentality. He's breaking a lot of the traditional taboos, right? 
kind of yeah, funny. Good for this, him. This, <laughs> kind of funny because so Yappy has talked about how the president of Ice Ribbon uh, does not really adhere it entirely to Japanese norms. So he like he has a lot different views than what the traditional Japanese, especially a man his age, has. Like he values mental health. He values right. his wrestlers, his workers. He has he values like trying to make sure everyone's got a good environment. There's several things that he said that she apparently says he says that are just not like the traditional Japanese person. And I think the same could be almost said for Rossi. Maybe not to the same issues, but he doesn't think like a like a traditional Japanese person, especially a traditional Japanese promoter. Right? He's he like, I'll like take a- your talent. Fuck you. He thinks like a Mexican so open promoter. And brazen about it. He does. Yeah. He's so brazen about wanting to take talent because this is even the first time he's mentioned taking people's talent. He's so brazen about it that <laughs> it's unheard of. I mean, you don't see Takagi coming out and say, I'm going to take your talent. No, he's making foolhardy statements like, oh, TJPW should be the number one woman's company when he's not even remotely close to that. You get like stuff like that. Like Mako's not talking about, I'm going to take your talent. I'm going to do this. I'm number one. Why do you guys not pay your wrestlers? He's saying things that you wouldn't say openly, and he's just saying them because he can. And it's so, honestly, it's so refreshing to see a Japanese promoter say these things. We're so used to seeing Western promoters spout off at the mouth like this. But in Japan, that's not happening. Like, name name another promoter that said the stuff that he said. Oh, wait, because you're probably not going to find one. Uh, I mean... You could probably have a find very some, hard time finding one. You could probably find some old uh, like Gato quotes, <laughs> but uh, oh, New, New Japan is probably not in the <laughs> in the best position to be talking. Even though they're just so miles ahead, the number one promotion in Japan, it's not even close. But uh, uh, it's just it's just, it's just funny to see yeah. the the both both of them are being very forward thinking, but they're in such different realms. It's almost like a yin and a yang. I sort of put in stardom, and I kind I kind of like that dichotomy a little bit. Well, we're going to be talking about on the Red Leaf Retrocast proper uh, coming up here. Uh, I, I guess these two episodes will release around the same time. The two promotions with the biggest buzz are the ones that are disrupting the norm in the wrestling world. And boy, <laughs> do you get two sides of the coin. You get the people that get super hyped and super behind them. And you get the ones that I don't like change and they vehemently go against them. And it just it creates this dichotomy of fandom that uh, it, it just becomes this rival rival ristic playing field. I don't know if that's a word, but we're going with it. Let's fuck it. Let's make it a word. It sounds fitting. I, I'll, 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 if I it's like not, it. I'll excuse it. It's great. <laughs> it's it's good that you mentioned that because I feel like for the longest time. Wrestling hasn't had that, both here and in Japan, at least especially in the women's regard. I can't think of a time where that's ever happened in women's wrestling. It's very refreshing. I enjoy it. AJW and Gaia? <laughs> no, none of them were so brazen about things. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I guess by the time Arsian rolled around, because there was, there was a big deep dive. I did uh, a lot of research on Arsian when they, when they rolled out they just took advantage of everyone else, just be it in such dire straits. But that's a conversation for from for another day. Uh, there is a company Why just over- <laughs> actually that would uh, Arsian would be more apt to the AEW comparison, where they kind of came out of nowhere and just took the scraps of everything left behind. That I think Arsian's amazing- problem was they were a, they were a small fish in a big pond, and they just well, they were nipping at everybody, but they weren't getting anywhere. 
Uh, they had never had traction. They never had traction. Well, they had they, a, were they had issues, but it was like overnight they became the top company, <laughs> or at least the hottest they, one. Oh, actually, the opposite. Them saying what they, Arasi saying what he said, actually made drew some ire from fans. So they what? actually they had some show problems originally. Uh, Aja, their attendance, uh, their cement- attendances were pretty out of this out of this world immediately. But anyways, we are starting in wave. Let's get into this. Star. Star. Uh, January 30th, 2011, Nagoya, our favorite town. <laughs> Factory of sadness. Uh, 305 people allegedly here. Uh, we're just going to run through a couple <laughs> matches. I love the allegedly. Every time, man. Yoshirai and Miyoshirai go to a 15-minute draw against Moika Haruhi and Tomika Nakagawa, uh, Miss Greenpants. <laughs> Yeah, so my first thought to this is, well, why are the Shirai's going to a draw? But then I gotta remember, this is 2011. Yes. It is, uh... Um, it is no Kana. No Kana's on the card. Uh, no. She has been off a lot of these. So, interesting story with that. Kana had a little bit of heat with some people. And so to keep the heat off of the Shirai sisters, she chose not to be on the same shows as them. Uh, that would, uh, is, that, yeah, around, that would explain this is around the time that she does the second, um, the second, uh, the manifesto. manifesto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just the match felt, I mean, it was fine, but it just felt like they were killing time. This is uh, what we were talking about before throw on a match that eats up time and they just do some shit. Uh, Io and Moika showed off some good things. Moika Harui. I'm kind of into her. She's pretty okay. Maybe she's some, very okay. Maybe some potential there. Uh, I, I mean, we I, obviously I, I know where yeah, she we'll, ends up, but at know, this point in time... It's pretty obvious. At, at, at this point, I feel like she'd get a push in modern day if this was like, if we just took this version of her and just yoinked it and put it in modern day. She'd get like a Itsuki kind of push. I would, I mean, mm. she's better than Iski, Alki, but yeah, she'd get that so kind too. of push. She'd get that kind of push, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's something I, I think about a lot doing this journey is if we would pluck one of these wrestlers, like legit from 2011, and plop them into the 2021 landscape, like what company would they end up in? What would be their position? And Moika Haruhi, I know she's still technically wrestling, but. She's, she comes across as like a TJPW wrestler or an actress girls wrestler. And would they be at the top of the card or kind of just like in a semi-main situation? That was kind of something that was floating in my head. Uh, anyways. I mean, Best- I'd pluck Mio Shirai and just have her return to wrestling at this form. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, she'd probably be in Oz Academy, though. <laughs> <laughs> she'd probably be in Oz Academy and Iceman, but she'd just do both because that's what she was doing when she retired. Yeah, best two out of three falls uh, trios match was the um, main event here on this show. Just kind of skipping around. It's Gami, Hiroyo Matsumoto, and Ryumi Zanami against, check this team out, Misaki Oada, Yumi Oka, and Bambi. (laughs) One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) 21 minutes, 29 seconds this goes. And the only real notable thing that came out of this was Gami and Yumi Oka roll each other up, double pinfall, uh, at the almost the 10-minute mark. And that kind of plays into their st- ongoing story of the Yumi Oka, Gami, Oka trying to beat a veteran. Because uh, remember, we ended 
2010 with uh, Oka losing to Mako Satomura, losing to Aja Kong, getting frustrated, and she's going after Gami because Aja and Mako are, <laughs> they're not going to lose to Yumi Oka. Oh, no, no. They would never do such a thing because that would be putting someone over. <laughs> you're being you're being silly that'll never happen so the the <laughs> the best oka's got is gammy and this contributes to the story which well that the the match is uh nothing out of this world but at least we get a nice little two minute sequence of uh mizunami and ohada going at it kind of at the end there that was fun uh ryu mizunami uh god her gear is still bad it looks like she's a cane yeah, the, side, the, the Sendai is singlet is, uh, it's not very appealing. She has, that, she has that weird, like, black, kind of, like, ragged-looking fire thing, kind of like Kane. Yeah. And so every time I see her, I just see Kane. <laughs> uh, Valentine's special, February 13, 2011, from Shinkiba First Ring, 256 uh, attendance. This is probably true. <laughs> Actually, uh, funny thing about this show, I think they do this show a few other times, but they have the wrestlers give out Valentine's Day chocolate to some people in the attendance. Oh, how nice. So it was, it was, it was hoped to, it was hope and hope to make a draw, uh, more people come to the show. <laughs> to get chocolate from the awesome female athlete? Well, it's funny because it's actually the reverse of what it's supposed to be because, you know, the men give the women chocolate no. on Valentine's no Day and white day. <laughs> then no white, then white day. White day is the opposite if memory serves. <laughs> no, refuse. Ayumi Kurohara you know, defeats. Did you get chocolate as a kid? Defi- no, I never got chocolates. <laughs> Kurohara defeats Mika Ida, uh, six fifty-eight. Yes, Kurohara in the opener against some rookie. Kurohara very much going at it with Ida and giving her a lot of offense, getting her to practice. Fine, but this is kind of this is kind of me scratching my head, going, "What is Kurohara doing in the opener against a rookie when she's like the hottest?" Like top end, I can't even say prospect anymore. She yeah, should be at the is, top of a card. <laughs> thing is, is I, I think you're letting your your like of her kind of cloud where she actually is because she's not red hot. She just came from a dead company. She's actually ice cold and a freelancer. Well, I know, I know the landscape. Right I know the landscape, but of course she's ice cold because no one's booking her. <laughs> right, but also the company she just came from folded, so there's nobody backing her. There's no every any push she had in that company. I know. I know okay, now. just kind of go with what is going on here with these wrestlers because there's there's a couple others. I'm like, what do we? I, the positioning and why and and what is is very head scratching because the ta- like if you're a talent scout on oh I don't know the New York Knicks. Like uh, the first w- mistake is the Knicks don't scout talent. <laughs> would you just go with me? You, you, you're from, you're a New Yorker, so come on, get 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 with it. That's a terrible New York accent. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> would you not want the talent of Kurihara in your starting lineup instead of you like, shoot a three pointer? Instead of shoot hit, a three. <laughs> instead of like sitting the bench and practicing with the squad just before games. Like, do, does that well, concept make sense to you? It doesn't, like, it really doesn't to me. I mean, it does if you're the Knicks, so. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. Listen, my basketball team sucks. You should use the better example. <laughs> Just throwing out a name out there, Kay, that you've heard of. 
Ryu Mizunami defeats Moaka Harui. 10 minutes. This was good. Top row Glybjock finishes off Haruhi. I enjoyed. I enjoyed. So I enjoyed the these opening matches, but there's no like substance to it all. I get that you want your young talent to develop and their shows to do it. These are also kind of their main shows of the month that I noticed because there's a lot of in-between shows with Wave. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you look at... Let me pull up uh, the schedule here. Uh, so between Nagoya and this one, there wasn't, but there was two shows prior. There's a, There's quite a few shows after this in between, and it's just the same format over and over again. There's no, like... There, outside of that main event between Oka and Gami that they're building, there, there's no other people that matter from card to card, even though, statistically, they tend to book the same people over and over again. Right. I think that's that just goes to the problem. I mean, that's the modern-day thing, too. Look at a Diana card. It's, it's a very similar thing. It's... Formula. It is. It's yeah. formula. Yeah, it's a good just... One. It's just a little, little, just it's aggravating because you know, you know how easy it would be to fix that and do better, but there's so many just cultural and, and traditional ways that are just these roadblocks that people are so afraid to step over the line. And let's not pretend Japanese culture is any different than any other culture in trying to break cultural boundaries. Uh, as someone with an anthropology degree, Kay, I don't know if you knew that about me. Uh, oh, yeah, I got a, I got a double major, buddy. Triple major. So do I. I mean, I have a double, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, like German culture, Amer- American culture is very it's very anti-establishment a lot of the times, and sometimes yeah, fuck it's the police. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's it's viewed uh, as breaking the cultural tradition of just kind of going with. Uh, the institution in a weird way. Or if you're in school, uh, for example, I went to a very strict public school. <laughs> I know that's kind of uh, counterintuitive to what that yeah, means sorry, exactly. I, I, but I that. that's, that's very, it's very, um, very funny, strict public school. Yeah, but if you if you would just kind of step out of line, you would you would be immediately suspended or something. You know, there's a lot of institutions and traditions and cultures that it's it's hard. It, like everything's hard to break in its own form and uh it's just kind of what i was talking about with uh the japanese wrestling culture and tradition uh, i think what the the scariest part is is like you said breaking cultural rules and why don't they do it the problem is is none of them even think to do it they're so conditioned to not that they don't even think to do so which is why whenever someone does it's it's shocking to these people the concept never enters their brain well emmy sakura kind of broke those boundaries and that's and why see, the, that's why that's for why such a long time so, yeah she's so underappreciated by a lot of the scene like, there's people that do appreciate her the ones that do but there's a reason why sakuraism is only contained within what she does and it's never been spread around there's a reason why she doesn't get as many opportunities and yeah. hasn't gotten as many opportunities in her career and why she's not given the same reverence as an anai takahashi or kyoko in a way and all these other people within the scene itself by this, the old guard people. She's never protected by them. She's never treated as a serious person with them because she's so and she's so anti what they are that they can't 
They, they deal with them because of its status. Anti, but it's it's definitely she's she thinks out of the box and breaks. I don't think out of the box. It's break. It, the... Yeah, it, it, she breaks tradition, and I, I can't I can't say anti is the. I can't agree that's the right word, but she definitely breaks the lines of tradition. I think she's just the opposite that I, I would consider her anti what they do. She's I don't think she's like openly brazen and yelling at well, them then about that it. Be anti. <laughs> but she is though, because everything like she's they're, not they're antagoni- they an- she's not antagonistic to to all these things. Yes, I guess if you want to phrase it that way. I'm thinking more anti like the opposite of. Right. Okay, we're just she's, kinda she's, we're just kinda getting <laughs> right, right, right. But I mean, there's, there's a reason why she's so beloved by the people that love her. It's funny because you think Manami Toyota, of all people, deferring to you on things would make you such a big deal in the scene. But it's not. It's not, fortunately. It's because she's such a Manami opposite Toyota of all of strike them. you? I, I was looking for like interviews um, of certain wrestlers, and Manami Toyota just never really came up as kind of this outspoken individual. Uh, she didn't strike me as someone who politicked a lot. No, I think the only time she's ever had an outspoken interview, to my knowledge. Now, I could, I could dig in deeper if I could try. I was trying to find a lot of that, and I couldn't find much but on her. The only time plenty she on ever Kyoko did, in a way. <laughs> and the only time she ever did was when she uh, gave out in a public interview about Kyoko in a way, retire, or leaving the company and announcing that at their big show at the end of it, their big Budokan show. Yeah, the 97 she, Budokan. She, and she gave what her a lot of shit. She gave her she gave her a lot of shit and didn't talk to her for years after that. So that's the only time I could ever think of it. Manami Toyota was very much to herself. Uh, it seems like I mean I could try to find interviews. It's, it's some of the stuff is really hard to find online. And physical copies are probably the only way you can get some of these. Hokuto was very Hokuto was. was very traditional as well, but she kind of she retired before. The dark age like, truly set in. She didn't. Yeah, she was a part. Anyways, getting off topic. Ayako right, Hamada right. defeats Misaki Ohada. Fifteen minutes, twenty six seconds. This match was fucking great. It was fucking fun. Ah, I was about fucking to say, I awesome. This match was great. Uh, uh, Ayako Hamada is a power wrestler with the occasional jumping heel kick of some kind. Hamada wins with a jumping roundhouse heel kick. Okay, let's talk about Ayako Hamada. She's great. Well, she she is very good, and so. Let's ignore what happens later. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about like from 2000 so to 2011 here, okay? <laughs> so she's she is an Ajikong protege. Yes, which is why she's such she's given such good positions and places. But she's also really good, like in terms of proteges, especially around this time when people took on proteges. Like I'd say she's better than Mako Satomura. She puts on more dynamic matches than a Mako. She's not as revered as Mako, but she puts on oh, better matches. I kind of li- like and that I've hot take. I just felt that way about Aika Hamada. It's just... It's a shame what happens to her. But yeah, she's I only definitely, 40 now, and she's still wrestling in Mexico. <laughs> I know, but she got she's like never going to go back to Japan, which is sad because I think that's where she'd probably be the best at right now. But she's... She's always been someone who's had this really high ceiling. And I think Triple H book her. <laughs> I don't know if she's ever fully reached that ceiling ever. Uh, I haven't seen like a ton and ton of her stuff, but I've seen enough of it to form the she's better than Mako Sadabora opinion. And you can come at me if you don't like that. Triple but I think she's always had more. <laughs> of course they have. She's in Mexico. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at. Um, I'm looking at her cage match here. 
Yeah. Try and booked in CMLL as well, and just fucking name of Mexico. No, if you're booked for AAA, you're not booked for CMLL. I swear to God, I thought she went to CMLL at one point. I mean, she might have, but I'm seeing mostly mostly just AAA. She faced Lady, way, I... yeah, she faced Lady Shawnee for the uh, Reina de Reyes Championship. She's really good, and I really don't know if she ever reached the potential that I think she had. Uh, but she, she was, always she was in that uh, she was in that famous sexy star uh, triple mania shoot fight that turned into a shoot and almost broke Rosemary's arm. She was in that four way. I remember that one. I think that's like I, co- I think that's when I was first introduced to Hamada. Hamada. 2017. Uh, see, I, was, I think I was in, I was introduced to her when I came in in 2018, watching her catch the wave run, and then immediately her getting coke busted or busted for meth. No, I was. It was before that because I remember she had a feud with like Taya Valkyrie in Mexico. I remember that. Yeah, she worked a lot of uh, Mexico. I mean, she was a halfu, so it makes sense that she worked there a lot, right? Half-foo. She wasn't. <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, you want to? She's mixed race. They, they, they call no, them. They call them Yeah, so. I, I, I just kind of get a kick out of the term. <laughs> I, listen, my girlfriend's a half. I'm just so used to saying the word because that's how she phrases it. So bear with it, I guess. <laughs> uh, She's good, and this is a good match that shows that. And it just man, do you think her meth addiction deserves her a second chance? Think she's kicked it? <laughs> no. In Japan, when you get busted, no, not in Japan, drugs, but maybe like done. an AEW. Come on, she's only forty. I mean, Can you imagine like Shida versus Ayako Hamada <laughs> on like Dynamite. I haven't, <laughs> I, I haven't seen Hamada recently, so I don't know what shape she's in. I mean, if she's still wrestling and still getting bookings, that doesn't mean anything. You fucking uh, oh, come uh, on, humor me, Mary Apache. Mary Apache's still getting bookings, and she's terrible. What's your point? She doesn't have to be good at get, getting bookings. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I haven't seen her since she left <laughs> left Japan, so I don't know what condition she's in. For all I know, she might be hobbled. For all we know, I haven't seen her. She Impossible. Be, uh, you see her in this match also... from ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this match from a decade ago. She was great now. Then she of course she's great now. I mean, for all I know, she could be jacked and in great physical condition. I I have not seen her. So I have no idea. But I love this match. This was great. Uh, Ayako Hamada, uh, lots of big power moves. Masaki Awada really kind of playing a underdog heel, which was kind of strange. Uh, she's busting out a lot of like fisherman drivers and suplexes uh, to try to put her away. I thought that was really cool. It's a different offense from Ohada that we're used to seeing because she kind of she's been trying to do. A lot more like armbar work, and she's mostly a roll-up wrestler, uh, very traditional uh, Joshi style for the for I, I, I guess high speed wrestler. That'd be a better way to put it. Uh, but right. she was trying to match Hamada's power, and I just thought it made for a very interesting match. It became kind of chippy, at least uh, on the outside. They were kind of throwing each other around. Uh, Ohada was getting under Hamada's skin. It was it was an interesting dynamic. I had no expectation of going in, and Wonder. they're kicking each other's heads off at one point too. Uh, Hamada has bigger, thicker legs and therefore stronger kicks, and knocked her out. Of course, <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm wondering if this is around the same time. It might be a little bit before, but Ohada at one point was trying to train for MMA. I don't know if she. I don't think she ever fully went to it, but she was doing MMA training because she wanted to do mixed martial arts. Well. 
let's keep an eye out for her doing more striking because right now uh i would bet you it is not around this time <laughs> based on what i saw she could be just starting it for all we know i i don't remember the time frame i don't know if, I don't know if it was this early it might have been this early but i do know she, at one point she was trying to train for mixed martial arts uh she never actually went through with it though yeah well needless to say i'm marking this down as a uh, match of the year contender for joshi i agree it was good Yumioka defeats Gami in four minutes. This was so out of place. Okay. Yumioka, like we said at the top of the cast, lost to Kong, lost to Mako, got choked the fuck out. She's all mad. All that's left is Gami, the mighty Gami. She will be defeated the Gammy. mighty Gami. Almighty. Rivalry based solely around Oka finally getting this huge veteran win. This is something we spoke about in 2010, or at least I was super curious. Like, okay, when's it coming? She's she's top of wave. Uh, she it's it's like her and Gammy one two right. Gammy one, her two. And if you're gonna try to make a star, someone that's gonna conceivably draw business uh, and and get more people in the door, this would be one thing to try to accomplish the best you can. Okay, after watching this four minute match. Did it accomplish that? Well, she got the win, but okay. no, it didn't accomplish anything. A four-minute flash so big boot win mm -hmm. isn't going to uh, get her over? No, of course it's not, which is why they end up running it back anyways. Okay. I, don't, I don't get why they did this. I feel like something happened and they booked this this for a reason, because it just comes so much out of nowhere that I can't I can't imagine this was done intentionally. I think it was because Gammy pulled the whole what happened and Oka had the shocked face. It's like, oh, I beat her. Oh, my God. It was it's part of the story. And if you're so here, here's the issue. In 2010, Sukasa Fujimoto was getting that big push and she beat Emi Sakura coming off of the wrestler of the year award. I uh, did. If you're going to do a flash win. Make it convincing. Don't go out there for like four minutes, have a match, and then it's just over. Because now you've created a disappointing main event. You got to knock them out, and we're out of here. That's what made the Sukasa Fujimoto one so shocking. You heard it with the crowd. When you when you watch this back, the crowd has no reaction. And that's not a good sign. No, I mean, they weren't reacting to Oka and Gami for the most part anyways in any of the interactions, which is kind of weird, actually. Well, here's the thing. If you kind of put the pieces together in the time frame, she got her ass kicked by the other two veterans. She's beaten basically nobody on her way. She's just trying to pick her next vet. That's very... <laughs> Look, we make fun of the almighty Gammy. She is not on Ma neither Mako or Aja Kong's level. It's not close. <laughs> oh, God, no. She's not even on that same tier. Not even near it. Like... Gammy is not a star. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I think you nailed it right on the head why the crowd wasn't reacting to any of this. They don't think she can. And so maybe this was I'm thinking about maybe this was done on purpose to make it be like, oh, she can beat her, so the crowd gets invested. Because their entire interactions they've had, every time we've watched them, the crowd has been silent. They don't care. 
because she's not being presented as somebody who could beat Gammy because she couldn't beat Mako or Aja or anybody. Right, and Gammy's so heavily protected, and if she ever exactly. loses, it's a freaky little roll-up. It's all nonsense. And the other thing is Gammy's style is more along the lines of comedy. And yeah, because she's she's hobbled. She can't barely well, do anything. What's the old phrase? Funny don't make money? Oh, I mean, oh. it can in some businesses. Just go yeah. ask uh, w- former wave champion Sakura Hirota. Yeah. Yeah, she was on. She was on these cards. I was. Uh, I, was, not sure wa- was. I, w- I was not watching Sakura Bolnakano or whatever the fuck her name is. Whatever, dude. I, I for a split second there when they showed the clips of it in the DVD, she for a split second looked so much like Bull because they did a quick cut to her face and she had like the face paint on. Yes, Hirota is and a pretty like, decent cosplayer. <laughs> I almost thought it was Bull. Like, wait, Bolnakano, two thousand eleven? What the fuck? No. Did this happen? Yeah, I I thought this uh, I thought this um, accomplished nothing, and it was part of the story to run it back. Uh, let's see, what would be the time frame? Six weeks later, in Osaka. I think I think it did accomplish something, or at least I think they tried to accomplish something with it. Like I said, the fans didn't believe that she could even beat Gammy, so you give her a roll up win here. You don't give them the full match because you're obviously going to do that later, right? So I, I can see the logic here. I can well, see it, it, did it draw more? Not... Did it draw a bigger crowd? Well, according to the uh, Osaka attendance record, uh, two seventy two versus the Shinkiba one of two fifty six. So they got like twenty people. <laughs> Those twenty people now believe in uh, Gammy being beaten. Yeah. I guess I don't okay. know. I, like I said, I can see the logic in it, right? Because she hadn't beaten anybody. The crowd wasn't buying it or even remotely beating Gammy. So you do this, oh, hey, she can beat Gammy. You run it back into the, giving them the full match later. Well, I think momentum is a, it's it's definitely a term that's been bastardized in modern wrestling, but there is a thing of real momentum behind a wrestler uh, in terms of the crowd getting behind them, not the kayfabe sense that's been bastardized. The crowd's not behind Oka at all. I mean, uh, yeah, the crowd's Oka not behind is very her at flat. All. Everyone knows that she's at the top, but they can't buy her at the top, and that's an issue. Uh, she definitely should have been, oh, I don't know, winning matches <laughs> on her way to beat Gammy, and then you can kind of go the Aja Kong Mako route. Uh, I want to know a funny thing about Yumioka and her interaction with the crowd. Uh, at this point, she's not even over with the crowd. She's respected by the crowd, but she I don't think she ever got over. Well, I mean, we're seeing it in real time happen here. She's not getting over. Uh, <laughs> you hear a lot of veteran podcasts. Kay, I made the mistake of listening to fucking a lot of Disco Inferno and Don't other you do that bullshit yourself, wrestlers, man. and they well, always... You're a masochist, I forgot. You're a masochist. Yeah, I guess in a way. They no way. always <laughs> reference like Bully Ray and Disco and and they always reference this idea of the veteran rub. And did Yumioka get anything out of getting her ass kicked by Aja Kong and Mako Satomura? Well, we're seeing no. it. No. <laughs> she got nothing. So She got a the, main the event pro- that she lost. She so, didn't get anything out of the main event because she had no momentum prior to that. We're not talking so, about Darby Allin versus CM Punk, where Darby no. Allin, being in that match, from the fans' perspective was the company is behind him and believes him in him enough to be in that spot because CM Punk is a big deal. Do the fans of Wave believe Yumioka 
does, uh, earned the spot of getting her ass kicked by Mako? No. It's just no, another no, match on don't. the card. They don't believe in her because they know she's second in the company. She's in charge with Gammy, which is why she never gets over. So, to your point of the veteran rub thing, it's kind of funny that you bring that up because I've seen that argument recently with the seedling and then I Takahashi giving the rub to other people. Rub only exists... I think people are conflating old people in a match with somebody as a rub. That's not how that works. <laughs> you know how that works? Even if you lose, you have to look very competitive and have and the veteran has to like almost barely pull it off. And that way you're seen as just on the almost on the same level, if not on the same level as this person. And then they have to raise your hand and they they have to do a little bit more to make you seem like you're on the level if you're not gonna beat them. That's the veteran rub. Kicking their ass for five minutes and then getting rolled up in two seconds doesn't mean shit. Moika Haruhi defeats Misaki Iwata, 8 minutes 40 seconds. So a win for Mo- Moika. I'm I mean, I I've made it, I made it no secret that I've really gotten on the Misaki Iwata bandwagon. <laughs> I'm, I'm firmly behind her and I think she's earned a higher position on the card. I think that's kind of the Ayoko Hamada match. She definitely earned her spot and that was very competitive. That's getting a veteran rub. <laughs> That, that it is right there. But I think what do, what does she get for her trouble in the very next show is losing to essentially the rookie that everyone's everyone kicks her ass. So, oh, I think for I think this is Momentum more of a, gone I there think for, for This is more for Moaka uh, to get her kind of propped up. Some Ohada's in that weird phase where she's being kind of pushed, but not really pushed. Uh, she does get a push later. Uh, that's, I guess, a bit of a spoiler. But she does get a bit of a... She does get a push later in her later, career. Right. She, uh... At this point, she's kind of where I expect her to be. So I'm not losing any... I don't think it's bad that she lost here. I think it just makes sense, given how cards are booked and how wrestlers are booked. Remember, she's a freelancer. She's not belonging to any company right now. Yeah, I realize so, that. Still. So, it, her, all of her pushing and stuff like that is, it just depends on who likes her and who doesn't right now. So I think that's important. Well, if to keep I in was mind. the promoter and booker, I would like her. <laughs> but you're not the promoter and booker. It's the I am, Almighty Gammy. Not very, very. <laughs> yes, and the Almighty Gammy is in the main event. <laughs> she uh, sure is. Also on this card, just want to mention the two matches that were prior on it: Hiroyo and Mizunami defeated Cherry and Tomoka Nakagawa. Fifteen minutes that went. Jesus. And then a slow motion comical punishment lumberjack death match. Let me repeat that: slow motion. Comical pun- punishment, lumberjack deathmatch, featuring the Shirai sisters defeating fake Kusei Ninja Ranmaru, which is Sakurahoda and cosplay, with uh-huh. Ninja Ranmaru. Actual Ranmaru. Yes, and Ron Yu and Toshi Yamatsu, your <laughs> your Gaia jobbers. <laughs> oh man. That also went 15 minutes. That was a trip, but that's also what we're talking about with the like hardcore comedy tag situation that's seemingly on every card of these companies. I'd like that if I wasn't sober watching it. Yeah, well. Uh, there was an intergender match, not worth talking about. Kagetsu versus Kana, 15-minute draw. And Kay, maybe you agree with me. Just Really a match of Kagetsu busting out her new offense, kind of kicking the hell out of her, and I think this did a lot for Kagetsu and the best match to date she's ever had. Wait, what was I going to agree with you on? <laughs> the fact that this is Kagetsu's best match we've seen 
in her career. So far, yeah, yeah, definitely. So far, she too, was also given more. She was also given more. She was also given more offense that she's ever given. So that kind of helps with things. Kana was very giving with Kagetsu, which is a Kana thing to do when she likes somebody, and I think she really liked Kagetsu. So her doing this for Kagetsu, I think, was great for Kagetsu because don't know if you know this. Sendai don't like Kagetsu, or they don't care about Kagetsu. That's more more of a, a correct phrasing. Uh, the year of Kagetsu saw her lose to Mako <laughs> twice. Well, she's in the Miko Iwata position of 2011. <laughs> oh my god. This. I, listen, I've heard enough on Sendai. Kagetsu was robbed, and I'm Okay, glad there's she has a reason we don't cover later. it. There's nothing to cover. Nothing happens. <laughs> no, it's the same company, just different names, some of them the same same company same books same buildings same belts same ring well kind of did some kicky stuff kagetsu's uh busting out some springboards she's getting more confident she's trying new things she's changing her style something uh her contemporary ryu mizunami despite i think mizunami being more fluid in the ring she's not dynamic enough which is something you've said and seeing this Kagetsu match, I went, okay, she's not quite at Mizunami's level yet in terms of 2011. You see it, right? But you see the progression. Which is why I'm so glad. Because what we're seeing now is we're seeing some of what Kagetsu incorporates in her offense when she just redoes her entire offensive set when she leaves Sendai. But when you watch a Sendai show, which I've made the mistake of doing uh, in 2010, 2011, uh, before watching some of the old Kagetsu stuff, she is not allowed to do some of this stuff. She can do it maybe once, but she never is allowed to hit it. Whenever she does it, she gets kicked in the head or she misses. She's never allowed to hit these moves. It's never allowed because she's a rookie and you can't do flashy shit and hit it. Know your place, so Seeing scrub. her do this is great. <laughs> Doing, seeing this stuff is great, and it's probably got a lot of hot, a lot of heat on Kana for allowing Kagetsu to do all of this by Mako. Mm, well. But I don't think Kana gives a fuck, so who cares? In the main event, Yumioka defeats the Mighty Gami in the match they probably should have had a month ago. 18 minutes, 29 seconds. They basically repeated their stretch from their quick bout earlier uh, into the finish. So that like last two minutes of that four-minute match they used here for the finishing stretch. They just added an extra boot, an extra big boot. Uh, Yumioka doesn't really have a finisher, Kay. She just has a big boot. <laughs> well, I think that's always going to... That was been her finisher. I know she has one of the best big boots in Joshi. Uh, I, I will sure. attest to that. But, right, that's kind of all she's got at this point. I don't know what her finisher is modern day. I think it's just still a fucking big boot, but she hits him on throughout the match and maybe hits a bigger one? Big boot and pounce. <laughs> and then she pins you. <laughs> I, I haven't watched enough Yumioka modern day to, to grasp that anymore. I'm seeing a lot of Yumioka these days. Uh, modern and old and older uh she she could have she should have been something at least bigger than what she is considering the time frame she's been around uh but unfortunately it's matches like this that are meant to get her a brighter spot get her over and look the match was probably this is probably the best mighty gammy match we've seen almighty gammy almighty uh she still does that stupid Ref's counting, and then she, instead of kicking out, she holds the ref's hand before she can count three. I hate that so much. She does a bunch of eye pokes, roll-ups, 
Things just stop on a dime. They stare at each other. She'll like stomp on your foot. She gets her fan out, hits you along the head. It's it's very wacky. It's it's uh, it's something I don't enjoy. Uh, but Yumioka showed a lot of fire. She was extremely motivated because this was her big chance. This was her big. This was meant to be. From my interpretation of what's going on, her chance to shine finally at the top of a promotion. And unfortunately, when this was all said and done and it finished the way it is because of how they went to get to this goal and especially that four minute match from the from the month prior that did not accomplish what they set out to do. This just came off so flat. And I'm super curious now over what like catch how catch the wave is going to play out and how the crowd is going to react to one Yumioka in catch the wave so uh i think a bit of the problem because i thought this match was but i'm probably a little bit higher on this match than you are i kind of thought the dynamic worked a little bit better this one than i thought it was going to um but i think what you're missing with the with the uh, yumioka not being as over is she's her spot is seen by the fans as unearned because they know she's behind the scenes because they made it public that's that was the problem here is the fans that are following wave know that she's also a booker and also runs stuff so they don't they don't get into her because they don't feel like their spot's been earned it sounds like you're telling me that yumioka is the cody rhodes of wave she i mean you make the comparison all you want sure <laughs> but i, mean, I think that's what the problem was i think the fact oh, i that respect they you for starting and running the company but i don't know if you've earned this spot Miss Yumi Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Yumi Rhodes. Cody I think that was I think that was the the problem here is that it was um I don't think they intentionally lit it out or if it just got out and they just embraced it, but it's known publicly at this point that Yumioka is involved in the booking and stuff. And at this point, if you look at all the companies that who's booking, they're all legends. So her booking is seen as kind of um out of the norm and so the fans don't believe her position is earned they believe it's just she gave herself this position or she's just being given it because she's second in the company in terms of uh, in charge of day-to-day operations which is why the crowd is never into her which is why i make the the saying that i don't think she ever really got over i don't think she ever shook that off so the fans never really got into her i could be wrong i've not seen a lot of the mid-years of the 2010s of, of Wayne, well, but I she came to from that out. JD Star promotion bet. you cover on the Patreon, K. I think that kind of the history of that it speaks did. speaks volumes. I, I, she did, she did. She was kind of a big deal there. She was one of them, her and Ohada uh, and Fuka, but she was later years, so I haven't gotten to her yet. Well, this is how they got there, and it did not work. Not how no. I would have done it. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I didn't think the match was as bad as you think it is, though. I thought it was kind. I thought it I didn't was say the good. match was bad. I'm saying it didn't accomplish what it meant to. I just don't like the mighty Gabby in the ring. I I like her way more in 1992 in LLPW, where she's a oh you like rookie, you like rookie Gammy, <laughs> fledgling fledgling um uh, food Gammy, <laughs> fledgling pin eater. <laughs> well, no, she wasn't a pin eater. She's kind of upper mid card, mid card area. Anyways. I am going to play, uh, I feel like I should play Riho's music to get us into I... the Ice Ribbon uh, mood. What, what are you playing? Oh, I should play, oh, you know what, Kay? I was going to get the uh, 
her rigid, her OG theme, but um, small monster, the one that was made specifically for her. Yeah, actually, you know what? Hold the phone. Real time. We're doing it live. Oh, real time. Doing it live. All right. Bear with me here. I know I got this. Sure, you got uh, this. Oh, little monster. Uh, Riho AE dubs. Here we go. Hey, all right. I forgot Riho originally came out to uh, AEW with that Ball song. Monster. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would. Ke- I wish they would keep it, but I wonder if it's like a rights issue or they couldn't. I like her new one more, to be honest. It it fits. It fits, the, uh, it fits the new environment more. Uh, I, I think Small Monster always always mm. fit her because it's been her nickname for decades now. Her entire career, I think, has been her nickname. That's why the song was named it and made for her. I like it. I think it's whenever I hear Riho in my head, that's usually the first thing that comes to mind is Small Monster. The song's catchy as fuck, too. March 21st, March Ribbon, Ice Ribbon number 275, Cork and Hall, attendance of 737. Wave ain't pulling in. Time. Wave ain't pulling in those numbers. Oh, no. And at the time, this is a good Corkin number. Because Corkin numbers, I don't know if you know this, uh, back then weren't as good as they are now. People weren't hitting thousand numbers. Uh, you had to be special, put on a public. special card. Also made public, so I believe this one. <laughs> uh, I, I think so, right? Aren't they made public? It was, it was, it was made public. I think yeah. with certain venues you have to make it public, and I don't remember if at this point Corkin was enforced. I know modern day they don't enforce that. Like, uh kind of curious Oda Ward enforces it because it's a government building so your attendance has to be made public ah we start we're gonna kind of fast track this one because there's two matches worth discussing um trios match elimination style K. uh kind of an ice ribbon Mm. special during this time it's my girl Hikari Minami Karumi baby style Sakushi also baby style (laughs) Take on and defeat two, I guess, new debuts, maybe. Uh, the Ice Ribbon book was uh, didn't have more information on them. The names are Mak- Maki Narumia, Narumia and Tamako and Riho. Eight minutes and 40, 40 seconds. This was the Sakushi show. Sure was. Sakushi ends it with pinning Riho. She sure does. The Kush is on top. Kush is on top, and uh, just another kind of indication of what is to come uh, with Emi Sakura and company. Ao Ishibashi and Mika Ida defeat Mary Naito and Nekonita. Nothing to say there. Hiran defeats Rookie as Grass Mochi Miyagi. <laughs> that this was rough. Oh God. Green as grass is an understatement. Jesus Christ, Mochi was bad. She was so bad. Gauru Mochi, man. <laughs> she was definitely Gauru. Hardcore uh, rules. Queen. Hardcore rules tag match. It's Jun Kasai and Miyako Matsumoto <laughs> teaming up again. They're wacky. They defeat Chi Tomia and Kazuhiko Ogasara. 12 minutes, 13 seconds. It's a Miyako match. It's filled with a lot of shtick. Jun Kasai is way over, and the women love him. Uh, 
can't I can't imagine why anyone wouldn't love him. He is a sexy uh, individual. Scar's a cool K. I don't care what you have to say. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. And Miyako actually pins the dude, Kazuhiko Ogasara. Miyako's fun. Fun mid-card act. Ah, I mean, goofy comedy tag match. Uh, then there was a really pageantrated uh, exhibition match between Emi Sakura and Momoe Nakanishi, who had, like, three kids. <laughs> Why she retired, and she's kind of coming back. Emi Sakura, like, goaded her uh, into doing something like like this. Emi Sakura is still busting around the Yakuza-like hair haircut with the blonde and doing like a Buddhist gimmick sometimes as well. Kind of switches between them all. Right. Uh, yeah, it was just a little exhibition for Momoe to get back in the ring, do some shit, and Emi Sakura, I guess, uh, they, you know, it was fun. Oh, these two are friends. You don't I say. That was made, I know that was made very clear. So, Mamoe uh, retired prior to this. Uh, I think she's still retired. It's, I think it's funny. And nice trying to get her to come out of retirement, which is even more funny. Uh, but she was close with the with Emmy. And I tried to find out why they made this a thing. Why this is a big deal. And I couldn't find anything. So, I wonder if maybe wherever it was published is in elsewhere. Uh, it wasn't in the Iceman book, not that I could find at yeah, least, and it either. wasn't anywhere online. So it's very weird why this was done because it seemed like it was being made as a big deal. For some reason, Emmy specifically asked for her to come for this one thing. Maybe I have no idea. Well, I mean, Momoe Nakanishi retired back in 2005. Again, she has three kids now at this point in 2011, and it was probably just kind of doing a favor for Emmy, and they just made a shtick about it. I don't, I don't think it's Could be. incredibly it wasn't really deep. a match. So. But she comes back every now and again to do a little spot. I guess. I mean, she came back for a full-on match with Nanai. Yeah, let me see here. <laughs> well, like I said, she comes back and does... She, look, she was in the Stardom All-Star Rumble. She was, was? at Nanai's 25th anniversary. She was at she Stardom wrestled. No People Gate. She, she was at... Uh, another Nanai, like, produce show in 2014. Uh, and then this one. So she's done four matches <laughs> since since this one. She's retired, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Super retired. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Be unretired to have kids. Taka Michinoku defeats Makoto. Eight and a half minutes. Taka crossface submits uh, Makoto. Gives Makoto a big showcase. Uh, this was fine. Taka's yeah, jacked. it's kind of weird. <laughs> Taka's definitely jacked. It's weird because I, I wonder if this is them doing a favor for Makoto because I think she leaves the end of this year. Yes, she leaves along with the Emmy split. There's a lot of people that leave, and this is kind of this is really feeling like kind of a last hurrah for some of these people and a big opportunity to get people over. But I don't think she goes with Emmy. I think she goes freelance. Maybe right, she sticks with Emmy initially, and she still splits. Yeah. Yeah. Hikaru Shida versus Shuri. 16 and a half minutes. Kay, tell me about Hikaru Shida versus Shuri. So I, I touched on it earlier. The big semi main. So Shuri, uh, I, I don't remember if this was part of a redebut package or, or what it was, but uh, Smash was making a big, big deal about Shuri. To the point where they uh, Shuri called out Ice Ribbon, you guys don't have nobody. Uh, set up a tournament to see which one of you is worth facing me. Uh, Shida talks smack to her. They set up this mini tournament, uh, and Shida won the mini tournament. And so she got to face Shuri. They had a bit of a stare down, uh, cool stuff. And 
this ends up blossoming a friendship between the two. They use this as a jumping point to win the tag belts later, which we'll probably cover. It, I, I thought this was great, and this also goes hand-in-hand hand with the uh, Sheeta redemption, uh, not redemption, but uh, improvement story. Her winning the tag belts with Suka, you know, Muscle Venus. Her winning this mini-tournament and facing Shuri, and then her beating Shuri, which is the big shocker here. Yeah, this is huge. This is uh, amazing. Shuri, this is our first experience uh, of her in the 2010s because she was originally in Hustle. <laughs> Under a different name, and they never, ever acknowledge it. It didn't happen. They don't acknowledge it. I don't know why, but they just don't. Okay, are you wondering why Ice Ribbon or other people or Smash didn't reference Karate Girl in The Hustle? <laughs> I think she was also, like, not even 18 when she was doing that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I could be mistaken, but I think she was, like, 15 or 16 uh, She's twenty. She's 22 at this point in 2011, and Shuri is a fucking prodigy. Yeah, she was touted. She or, was or, or, or at prodigy. the very least, a top-end fucking pot prospect that just understands rookie. what to do. She was, she was, Smash was touting her as their super rookie. Tajiri, right? Yeah, that's the one she, yeah, yeah. No, Tajiri and Asuka, or Kana. Yeah. They touted her as the super rookie. Uh, Kana, I think, helped train her. Uh, I think Taka also helped train her up, and, and she came out of their dojo, and they sort of made this big pomp and circumstance about her, which is what led to this. She's touted as the super rookie. I think they even announced her as the super rookie in this match. It's, it's, she's a big deal, and so Shida beating her was also a big deal. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of, uh, I can't imagine Smash had a lot of politics they could say in various companies. No, no. <laughs> Tajiri didn't have a whole lot of sway in Joshi, I don't know if you know this. No, no way. <laughs> uh, he had a lot of sway in Hustle. <laughs> he sure did, you you leave them, you don't badmouth Hustle, that company is amazing. God damn it. But yeah, this was this was fucking great. Hikaru Shida is in phenomenal shape. She's clearly been working out. She got them abs going on. Shuri, uh, she's not as she's not as I think thick, strong, if that's a way to describe it. But she's got abs and she's lean and mean. She's got a great look to her. There's just a lot of fierce kicking in the match. Hikaru Shida's taking everything that Shuri has to dish out. This was a great ass kicking that Shuri Shuri uh, not Shuri uh, Shida endured. And you can just tell that it was just a whole respect kind of match. It's 16 minutes of Sheeta having a huge win that uh, means something to her and the fans got behind her. This was actually truly momentum because the story ended in 2010. It's in a way, it's very much the same vein of that Yumioka Gammy story where Shida went against Yoshiko Tamura, uh, uh, but Tamura because she was retiring gave her a lot more offense. <laughs> oh, she definitely did, and she definitely did that because I think Emmy won. So I think Emmy probably asked her, "Hey, uh, we're trying to do this thing. We're building Shida up. So she probably she probably gave her more offense than she would have given anyone else in this position." Well, here's the other thing: there was general genuine momentum behind Shida and noticing her improvement. Her physic, literally, her physical body is changing in front of you to show her improvement in conditioning and strength. She's adding moves. She's getting better. You want her to win, and then the outsider comes in. The super 
uh, let's call her super rookie. <laughs> Just for she was she was super argument. rookie. Yeah, the super the super rookies coming in, kind of the unbeatable story, and. Shuri's just kicking her ass and Sheeta's just taking it all. It looks great. Suplexes are coming out. Uh, they're getting dropped on their heads occasionally. And finally, Sheeta hits this falcon arrow of all things. The 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 move that's become a, a like a meme with her where <laughs> she's got to hit the falcon arrow in every match before it becomes big. <laughs> and she pins Shuri in here with it. And I was like, yay. And she gets on the ropes. It's a big, big moment of celebration. Uh, this is going into a match of the year contender. Now I gotta ask Kay, which was better? Was it this match or the Hamada Ohada match? This one. But I think I, I also think so this one had a lot of the story into it. Like I said, the story was her improving. She made that public in an interview. And so you, you can trace that interview to the story of her improving, which I gotta say, ballsy to put that kind of story on you because if you don't start improving, the story falls apart, right? Yeah. She had, she had to improve. She had to show improvement, too. Otherwise, the story falls apart. So I think she put that kind of pressure on herself, and she excelled in it. And, like I said earlier, the fans weren't really behind her prior, before the story started. And she wasn't that good. She wasn't on the same level as Suka and Miyako, right? The two she compared herself to that debuted the same class. Miyako has the fanfare, Suka has the fans, and she has uh, the in-ring prowess, right? Well, now, at the end of this, she has both. That's what the story, this is where it culminates for her. It doesn't end here, but this is where the story kind of finally reaches its next chapter, where she goes for the belts. Yeah, very successful. uh, Slam dunk in my eyes. And that leads to the main event. Uh, Ice Cross 60 title. Champion Tsukasa Fujimoto defending against Rey, the Hong Kong native that uh, just celebrated her unfortunate death anniversary a few weeks ago. Uh, I think she died of cancer, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you are right. And I think she was such a big deal in uh, JWP and Oz Academy, the people involved in those two companies, that she gets the same sort of service as Plum does by both companies, which I like seeing as much as I will shit on both companies for their terrible bookings. (laughs) I do still like seeing that they try to keep the memory of these two wrestlers alive. It very much uh, warms my heart to see this. Yeah, uh, this is my first real experience with Ray. I've seen highlights and whatnot, but uh, she she's is, good. She's a masked wrestler uh, out of Hong Kong, as I said. Uh, she reminds me a lot of Leon in terms of looks, of kind of the gear and mask and everything. Say that's, that's on purpose. Yeah. Uh, she does a lot of handspring varied offense, uh, leading into some lucha spots. She even does like a hurricane, the, the jumping hurricane rana spot. Uh, she even does cartwheels off the turnbuckle like Natsu Poi, but. Goes into a drop kick instead of a more uh, running around situation that Natsupoi does. Uh, Ray does moonsaults. She does a fucking Stardust Press. And that's when it just kind of hit me. She's like the modern version of Chaprita Asari. It's funny you say that because I think she was mentored by her. I don't think she was trained by her, but she was mentored by her. Uh, that would that would make sense. Let's see if uh, let's see if I don't know some Wikipedia pages or whatnot. I could uh, be. I, I could be because I don't. I don't think she trained her. I, I'm pretty sure she didn't train her. But she. No, she was trained by Emmy. Yeah, but she was mentored by her at one point. Oh, let's see. Mariko Yoshida is coming up a lot with Ray. Yeah, those two are pretty, pretty okay. intertwined. But uh, she died at uh, only 36, so very sad. Um, 
you can definitely tell she has a kung fu kind of gymnastics background. She throws a lot of that into her. Uh, this was a very... I think you've seen her before. I think you might have seen her very early into the journey. Passion Ray? Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah, because she goes by several names. Passion Ray is the same name she uses when she's part of the Passion Red faction with Nanai. You're so we right. have you have seen her. Yeah, seen it was her. very limited, limited. Uh, right, right, you have, but you, it was limited and it was an attack match, but you've seen her. This was a big time match. It felt like a main event title match. This is something that we, this is something that occurred to me when I was watching this, okay? is big-time, important title matches. Not seeing a whole lot of that in the Joshi scene in 2011, 2010. Like, Oz Academy has, like, one or two a year, still kind of that boxing title mentality. It's always the tag titles that are consistently defended. We spoke about that on Oz stuff, but in terms of, like, building up a title, an incredible champion, don't really get that. Why? Why, why, why? Well, well, it's a mixture of two things. It's the the old guard that would be putting on these kind of matches don't want to, or either <laughs> physically can't or don't want to. Okay. And you don't have the stars. You don't have the amount of stars that you could do with that with in one company. I gotta specify. Because you have stars in other companies, each company, right? But the politics. You're not gonna throw Suka versus, I don't know, Yumioka, right? Just used an example, right? She's not a star, but she's presented as this one, right? You're not gonna throw that together. Why would you do that? Yeah, someone has to lose, and you're not gonna have to. You're not gonna have to decide who loses that match, right? You're not gonna have Suka versus Nanai. They're not gonna do that. Politics. So a lot of that, especially in this point, because we're coming out of the Dark Age, so politics are very much playing a factor in almost everything, more so than they do now, which they still do play a big effect now. But back then, coming out of this Dark Age, it's very much uh, me and myself and my things. That was the mentality. So you're not going to work with another company and put your talent over theirs or, their, or vice versa because it would be hurting your own bread, your own money coming in, your own prospects, your own sort of view, people how view, people view you and stuff like that. We see it as weaker in the scene. So a lot of that was why it hasn't happened. That makes any sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Unfortunately, you couldn't and do it, I swear, because I swear only has like what three big wrestlers, if you can call that right, three big star <laughs> matches they could do, and they've already done them. So it's you can't have her go out and face Aja Kong because Aja Kong's just gonna beat Suka. You're not gonna have Suka beat Aja because Aja won't agree to that, right? And uh, that's unfortunate for Aja Kong. <laughs> I mean, I guess sort of. It does, now, sort nowadays, of. it's like I think Aja Kong is in a she's like the legend sit back and chill role, but I think Sukasa is a better wrestler than Aja Kong ever was. Ooh, that's a hot take. Sure is, and I'll stick with it. I think Sukasa Fujimoto okay. is an overall better wrestler than Aja Kong ever was. That's a conversation for another day. I, I, I like your boldness, Kay. That's why we do this podcast. <laughs> I'm not saying Aja Kong's bad, by the way. I'm just saying Suka's been way better than she. No, nah, you definitely was. said uh, one of the worst of of mankind. Yeah, I think, oh, quote unquote, I, I heard it. <laughs> the entire human race, she's the worst wrestler. Okay, I'm saying this now. This is my match of the year. Uh, I'm not going to say that because I, oh. ne- I, I know it's coming up in the year. And I, know, I know not to say anything because I've seen some of the things we're going to come up and talk about later. Well, I mean, at this point, 2011 is my match of the year, Scrub. Okay, Scrub. <laughs> uh, I, liked, I liked the Shida Shuri match better. 
Uh, it had more fire, but I thought the dynamic moves, uh, importance of the title match, as my cat's about to jump off the table here. I know it's coming. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, but you forget one. We forget one fact about me. I value story a lot. Uh, yeah, sure. Are you telling so, me that Kaoru Ryan Yu Yu match didn't do it for you? Oh man, or any of those so many various for me. Oz Academy tag title matches we saw. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, no. no, they did nothing for me. But I think the diff, like I said, JWP the, the tag between... league final. No, no, no. I mean, the match was good. No, I, I, I'm talking about in, in terms of this show. I, if I had to think about one match, I think is the best overall so far. Hmm. I like Bolshoi and Suka. Well, that was last year. That's 2010. Talk about 2011. With that. Oh my god, I forgot that it was last you year. Fool, messing up your time frame. So yeah, Ray Ray does a lot of her dynamic offense, flips all around, going out. Uh, ends with it. Essentially, ends with Ray going for the Stardust Press. She misses. Uh, Sukasa uh, gets her with uh, the Venus Clutch. Kicks out. Uh, goes for an, uh, more various moves, and Sukasa finishes her off with the Venus shoot the second one she hit uh in the match good stuff 14 and a half minutes uh ice ribbon's very good about these like just timing out matches to just fit what they're going for they just got a match and there's like this how long it's gonna last cool they're not saying we have to do a it doesn't have to be 20 minutes it doesn't have to be 30 it doesn't have to be 10 to be a broadway it to be a broadway it's just whatever it is. That's what they're going to, if it, if it has to go, if, if they feel like it goes 22, they'll make it go 22. It's just something that's different about ice ribbon compared to a lot of other companies. They still do it today. I think, yeah. I think they do. They, do, they always make their matches just the right. Like they never drag on too long. Well, I think it has a lot to do with their style too. They kind of just, Definitely. they, they build a match the around style. the style of the wrestler. So Ray isn't a like ground mat heavy worker while Shuri had more of that. So their match went a little longer because they do a little bit more mat work that kills a little bit more time. Uh, Wait, are you telling me, are you telling me having a wrestler not force their style or another wrestler is, is a good thing? Yes, I am saying that. Hey, hey. You tell me Konami is bad for doing this. I did not mention that name. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I mean, I think we, I mean, I think you're on your point with that. I think good matches are always that way. I think we're able to work with the styles and not enforce your style on another person. Cough, cough, Konami. Cough, I think cough. Kenny Omega and Ibushi are like great examples of adapting to their opponent while throwing in their style. I think Suka's there too. I think Suka and Maya, both of them do that very well as well, I think. Uh Maya is more comfortable in a ring general. I guess I guess she matches a Kenny Omega type. I mean we've seen she's it. Before. Take the, she's, 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 she's she's the one on that's styles. gotta take the lead, but then Yeah, even in I'd have to rewatch. But she doesn't have to take the lead all the time. She didn't take the lead in the Suzu match. She did not. Last one they had? No, she let Suzu take the lead on that one, which is why it was so much wilder that she did that. Now you she got let, me thinking about other things. <laughs> I think Maya does a good job adapting around the style, and I think Suka does a good job incorporating her style around the other person's style. Suka's... I feel like people just don't... They sleep on Suka too much. I think she's really, really good at just being in any any situation she's able to adapt in. 
to her opponent as well as whatever the match calls for. She adapts. I think there's a lot. A lot. I think a lot for a good wrestler to do that. Great wrestlers do that. Good wrestlers don't. Yeah, Sukasa Fujimoto is someone that's going to be going down in the history books for people that uh, are aware of her, have done their research, and uh, uh, have experienced a lot of her. And the more I watch of Sukasa Fujimoto with matches like this, uh, her journey through 2010 there, it's it's been very fascinating to see how good she was even 10 years ago, starting her career more on the later end. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Uh, to your point, I think Suka is going to probably be one of the handful, I think, of wrestling names from this generation. I'm talking the 2010 generation. The people who've come up through this generation that are going to be remembered in the history books. I wish, I wish. I mean, I know where Ohada ends up, but I'm not seeing a fast track to her to a position of Sukasa Fujimoto, or even Shida for that matter. Shida's getting very well positioned in her company. Uh, and she's had the story to make her feel like a star for Ice Ribbon, so that's that's a big win. And it's very sad to say that we know what happens with our Ayumi Kurihara, but she should be one of those people that we heavily regard, but instead it's just, hey, hidden gem wrestler kind of situation, which is a shame. It is a shame, because Kurihara is very, very good, which is why... I made the point that she's just ice cold coming out of a dead promotion, and it's unfortunate. I, I feel like she, her hitching her wagon to Neo, was unfortunate. I mean, she had no way of knowing Kyokuro was an utter failure. Yeah, you, you have no but, way. Yeah, you have no way of knowing. But, um, but I think it's, it's also. It's, it's I think it's the fault. I think it. Well, as we mentioned beforehand, with uh, tradition kind of holding you back and being afraid to break break some boundaries, uh, I also have the blame for some of these companies and promoters that. If you're booking her, why wouldn't you just take advantage? And it's just always the question I will circle back to is, why did you not see this? Why did you not just swallow some pride and make, like, who doesn't want to make more money, Kay? Like, seriously. <laughs> so, I agree with you. Like, I'm not going to disagree. I, I 100% agree with your mindset, but I can see why they didn't. And as for what you just said, make more money. Well, there's a limited amount of money going around. And so instead of giving money to someone who's not on your payroll and not in your company or part of your company, you say there's you limited her. more money, but the objective in wrestling is always to draw more money. You create the new money and they're not doing that. They're just they're just creating. No, it's a failure to create more. It's just stagnant. Right. And, and as we'll see with other companies, it's a slow depletion. <laughs> And, but look what it took for companies for just ice ribbon or for ice ribbon for uh, the scene to get out of the dark age into where it is now. It took one company in stardom to sort of invest itself in a different way than everyone else. But it also took a big company getting invested. Stardom wouldn't be where it's at now without Bushi Road. They would be still at the, about the what, 2019 level, which would still put them on par with some of these companies. They'd be slightly ahead of them, but they wouldn't be so far ahead that. We're giving them the same reverence we give them now. They're given. They're, they're in the same position and the same sort of. Uh, yeah, but the uh, the objective the now. objective of a business is always to find a way to drive more money, and sometimes and most of the time, that involves getting a heavy backer. In the case of AEW, we have the billionaire. But what can they do? They they the Western market. If you're going to make it big time, you also have to have the TV deal. 
So that's where that comes wow. in. With stardom, I, I it was like, it was as you say, investing in yourself. And if they did not, if Rossi and company did not invest in themselves, get them off the ground floor the way they did, and continue Bruce to develop that them. portfolio, then it wouldn't have been the proper product to be able to sell to Bushi Road. That's why that Bushi Road went into New Japan when they did and bought them. A decade for them to get there. My my point here is is women's wrestling in Japan, just wrestling in Japan at this point is dead. And women's wrestling is super duper duper dead. Like it's so dead that it's not seen Got as a linguistic school for, for that one. <laughs> but I mean, the, the it's idea super is duper that, uber dead. I swear <laughs> I'm super serious. <laughs> but the perception of women's wrestling at this point is that why would a company invest in them? They're seen more as cabaret girls and, and idols and sleazy. They're not, but that's how the general public sees them in Japan. They're not when there was a there was a whole article at one point um, way back when where wrestlers wouldn't even mention that their profession is being a wrestler, not because they're tough and buff like it is now or some of them. Right. It's because, oh, so you do prostitution would be the first mm. thing that comes to mind. And so that's why. That's why I say money's super limited here, because men's wrestling doesn't have the same stigma attached to it. Now, some of the stigma was brought on to women's wrestling on its own. The the big, giant capitalization and boom of gravier DVDs and photos and near naked to naked things being put out there didn't help the perception. Uh, But they needed to do that to make money anyways, because they were dying, most of these companies, and these wrestlers couldn't feed themselves. But that had an after effect, a domino effect on the scene. That the scene is recovering from now, but it's still very much attached to some of it. And I just think that you saying that they need to, to invest to make more money, I don't. I get why they wouldn't book Kurihara. I, I don't agree with them not doing it. I think they definitely should have. They're leaving money on the table. But how much money do they leave on the table? In their position, why would you take that chance when you're barely able to feed yourself and your wrestlers? She's not part of your payroll. She's a freelancer. You're paying her a fixed fee every time she comes in. So why would you push her above the people you already pay on your payroll? Well, I mean, it's risk-reward. That's the name of the game, right? And... Well, these, Some, most of these companies were, were barely making profits. So I, I, re- I realize that. But you got to start somewhere. That's kind of what I'm, right. I'm saying. I mean, I'm like, like there, there, there's, a finite, there's a finite amount of people there. And like I could understand why JWP wouldn't take her. They have talent to pick and choose from and move up and down. And that's what they're doing. Ice Ribbon's the same way. Wave? They, it sure looks like they have the space. If they're already booking her the way they are... <laughs> Yeah, but they're not making money. The problem yeah, well. with Wave is they're not they're not going to they have like three people on the roster. They're not gonna push her as if there's part of the roster because they're not seeing any money themselves on that. They don't know if she's a star or not. And they don't see her as a star, which is also probably the, well, problem, that's the problem here. They don't Right, but yeah. that's why they're not gonna take the risk. I, I wanna point out that stardom early on didn't push freelancers to the top of the card outside of the nice buddies, which that's more of an exception, not the rule. Yeah, we'll get to that conversation another day. But we are going long. Are, uh, this was a very interesting longer episode. We haven't done one of these in a in a while uh, for this length. But we had two big show, two big shows to cover. A lot of wave. Uh, we got this big ice ribbon show that kind of uh, we came up with on the way, <laughs> getting to this point. But our next right. one is back to JWP. It's JWP Mania. Oh yeah, good show. Always a good show. I think. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I haven't looked at the... Well, I looked at the card when I made the schedule for a lot of these, but I don't remember what was exactly on it. I'm sure there's a uh, couple title matches there. 
I'm I'm excited. I've I've definitely enjoyed getting into JWP, which is something I was not initially uh, into, but I'm glad I am now. That's one of my favorite companies of this era. So yeah. All right, Kay. See you next time. See ya.